Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Music Lab Podcast. My name is Dog, and I am here today with a talented group of musicians as we present to you Melody Trucks, Drew and Alex Fitzky, Hub Chasen, and Noah Gibney. Welcome, everyone. This episode is sponsored by RAR Outfitters, and as always, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow our social media pages and our YouTube channel. Let's begin the interview with having everyone go around and introduce yourselves and tell us the instrument you play and at what age you first started playing. Really got into... Um like ethnomusicology and that type of percussion, mainly Balinese and Brazilian in college. So um, I've been doing this since I was like 16, 17 years old. And I'm not gonna tell you how old I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Much older than the rest of the band, how's that? Alex and Drew, go ahead. Um, my name is Drew. Um, and I've been playing the bass guitar since I was in kindergarten, so about six, yeah. My name is Alex, and I've been playing drums since the same age, six. Noah? Can you hear us? Oh, were, were you talking to me? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Noah. All right, somehow... The internet was cutting in and out, but I think we're good now. But um, I'm Noah Gibney. Um, I've been playing uh, piano and keys since I was about uh, four or five is when I started. And uh, that's what I'll be doing uh, for this tour. So, uh, Cool. And uh, my name's Hub Chasen. Um, uh, I've been attacking the guitar since I was about 12. And uh, I'm 24 now, so about uh, about 12 years. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, I want to know how your parents or a relative or or someone in your life how they taught how they taught you a life lesson that you applied to your music. Melody, you want to start? <laughs> you want to start with me? Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll just kind of go the same order. How's that? <laughs> oh, well, we don't like you don't have enough time on your podcast for me to actually answer that question in full. Um, all right, so I guess <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so my father was a musician, um, my father was the drummer for the Allman Brothers Band for the entire tenure that they were an entity um ev everything i know about playing music on stage i got from dad you know and the 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 biggest lesson that he taught me about what it is to play music with other people live music with other people is don't be afraid to mess up Playing live music is not about being perfect because if all you're worried about is being perfect with every single note, you cannot 
find those musical landscapes that you've never experienced before. It'll be the same way every single time. You've got to allow yourself to, to expand past the notes you already know and actually communicate with each other on a deeper level than just an orchestrated piece of music. So that's, that's the lesson he taught me. Man, I was I was totally gonna say don't make mistakes and then quote you. <laughs> totally just yeah. I'm sorry. That's what happens when um, I go first. <laughs> damn. Um you, 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 you got something? Yeah, Do you have something? Sure. You go. So um it's kind of not really for the performance aspect, but aspects around it for like carrying yourself as a musician is just having the right attitude and, and mindset of just like, cause you'll get pretty far and like our area, just being a good person and being nice to people and having an open mind and supporting people that uh, need some help, like whether they're not as experienced or anything, but having a good relationship with the scene, mostly from my mom. <laughs> uh, I'd like to quote uh, my uncle BJ in saying that, uh, that you always want to try to play your instrument like you. Like I've, I've gotten like the comment, like you play bass like a guitar player, you play guitar like a bass player and it's, you just play like you. Um, and you always want to have an open mind with whatever you do. Um, Cause uh, music is just about the journey. It's yeah. Yeah. Um. For me, I'd say one thing that I learned uh, from my parents is that um, to not be afraid of making mistakes or failing or especially like not being afraid of the word no or like getting some like form of uh, like rejection or anything like that, just to like keep on moving forward and uh, take up every uh, opportunity you're given. So um, those are kind of some ideas that uh, my parents have taught me and that I've applied to my music, so. Um, yeah, and I think uh, pretty similar to what everybody else was saying, like the main thing I learned from my parents was just to always try and, um, always try and be really, happy about the music that I get to play and be really excited that I um, have the opportunities to do this um, and just, you know, to treat it like, you know, something when you're a little kid or something, you just, you know, can't stop doing it and you just always get really excited about it and just, you know, always keep it rolling. So uh, I know all of you have, pretty much stick with one instrument if if you didn't play the instrument that you played what other instrument would either interest you or have you played before that you you know are, are competent in well um i studied 
Balinese gamelan at Florida State for four years. And that was some of the most fulfilling and exciting music I've ever played. So um, I wouldn't mind going back to Bali and, and being part of something like that. Or um, I was about this close when I was in, I think in my early twenties, I almost went out to Japan to study uh, Japanese tar drums. And so that's another one I'd, I'd like to dig into. So. What does that sound like, the, the Tartar drum? The tar drum, it's those, I don't know if you've seen um, the Japanese percussion ensembles that have like the massive like 10 foot drums um. and they play them with like these big wooden sticks and like it's, there's a, a, a percussion ensemble called Koto, K-O-T-O, which is, it, it's all these great big, huge drums that I, I can't explain it other than it it changed my life the first time I heard it. So I, I can't explain what it sounds like. It was just really cool. And there was a, a program where I could have gone and studied for like two years on this small island off the coast of Japan. And unfortunately, that opportunity was uh, uh, not something I was able to to fulfill. But I've always wanted to, to possibly do something like that. So, boys, um, I don't know. I really like playing bass. Um, <clears throat> uh, if I didn't play bass, I mean, I play I play a little bit of guitar. Um, and and I like playing it a lot. Um, especially with like guitar harmonies and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. But um, I don't know. I've always liked harmonica. I've always thought that that's cool too. Yeah. Get you in touch with Isaac if you want to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. BJ, BJ started teaching me a little bit of that. Nice. It, was, it was great. Yeah. Okay. I know he's sitting next to me, but it might be bass for me because I kind of have this, this home of like pocket and groove and being in there. And that's the closest thing I relate to. That's sort of similar to me, but it's, you still get like, I don't know. I like the feeling of a song so you can easily get, well, the groove is just bass and drums. So I'll just be on the other side of that. You mm -hmm. guys remember what George said, right? Takes two. Mm. Two to make a pocket. So. <laughs> I was I was hoping you say drums and switch. Yeah. James Brown, <laughs> what instrument are you playing? Drum. Drum. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Noah? Um, probably for me, it would probably, this is kind of a random one, but I think, um, an instrument that I like played a little bit when I was, um, around three was cello and then I kind of stopped when I learned piano. Um, so it would be great to kind of learn that instrument again. I don't know. There's just something about like the tone, um, of that instrument and just like how close to the human voice it sounds that it would be kind of interesting to learn again. So. Yeah, that's funny because um, I also used to play the cello um, in high school, and I, that's a that's a fantastic instrument, man. I've always I sort of made a like conscious decision in high school that I was gonna be I was like gonna be edgy about it, and I was like I'm just gonna play guitar all the time. That's all I'm ever gonna do. Um, 
uh, which, you know, no regrets with that one. But um, I, I've always kind of wanted to whip it back out, start breaking into it again. But every every time I've had like a, I've taken a few drum lessons every now and again. And I think my playing as a whole always blossoms after I get after, you know, you get stuck behind there behind that kit for a little while. Start, you know, start seeing the cracks pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Melody. I don't think you could have ever envisioned that your band would have two former cellists in it. <laughs> My son plays cello too, so there you go. There you go. That's that's <laughs> awesome. So th- this question is for you, Melody, in particular, but it will lead then to individual questions. So okay. I want to obviously talk about the um, Roots Rock, um, the revival. Yeah, it started in 2013. This mm-hmm. you guys celebrated your 10th anniversary this year, which yeah. is incredible. Um, but talk about the vision and what it is like, what it was when it first started and what you feel like it is, you know, today, or has that vision changed at all? Well, okay. So it's hard for me to say what the vision was because this was my father's thing. And I unfortunately did not get a chance to go to Roots Rock until after he had passed. The year that I went was the year like he had passed earlier that year. So it's hard for me to say if it's changed. Hub actually might be able to to answer that question a little better because he was there before me. But um, I do know that my father, this was one of the things that in his life, my father was so proud of the fact that he started this camp and every year he would come home just you guys have got to come, you've got to come and see this place. You've got to come and see what we're doing there. And the first year I went, it changed my life. The second year I went, it changed my life again. And the third and the fourth, like every time that I go, I come, I come away changed for the better. And every year, I mean, I know it sounds trite, but we can say it gets better every year. Um, it does because it's different every year because the people who come like you have you know the people that are the staples of Roots Rock like Hub like Desiree Spinks like um Ryan Gregg like there are people that come every year and they have made such an impact on the experience because of the the air of gratitude they have just for being part of it and that's not only from the people who come to experience it but it's also from the people who come to give the experience as well doesn't matter who you are there we're all on equal ground and we're all there having our spirits changed by the experience that it is i can't explain it because i've never experienced anything like it and the fact that I get to play a part in keeping my father's vision moving forward. Um, I can't tell you how honored I am to be part of this. You know, I would not know any of the other people on this, this particular call if it weren't for, for Roots Rock. Because they and, that's, said, and that's a power enough. Yes. That's a powerful enough statement right there, right? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Uh, 
So everybody else, then, uh, uh, if you were a tour guide giving a, a tour of the facility and of the, and maybe not a tour guide, but you know, just someone that's a uh, you know public relations for the for this event, how would you describe it to someone? Um. Uh, uh, music Disneyland, like it is the greatest. <laughs> the greatest place on earth for a musician that wants to do this like seriously it is incredible yeah i like it <laughs> what you got brother um um i'm sorry no go ahead i was gonna say for me um it was actually my first year at roots rock it was like just an eye-opening experience to see like like i remember the first first day i walked in there and i was like oh my gosh everyone's just smiling i have never seen any place like ever where everybody is smiling and just so pumped up for the week and it just was truly like i experienced i've never ever experienced anything like and it just impacted me so much and i learned so much and just had like one of the best times I've ever had. So very grateful for all the people that uh, started this program and I definitely will be going every single year they have it. So. The ringing endorsement, right? <laughs> How about you, Hub? Um, yeah, it's the best way I think I could describe it is like a, a week's worth of learning almost all of the things that I truly hold important to myself as a musician. Like there's also, you know, there's all sorts of avenues to go about learning how to play your instrument and how to play um, maybe like a certain genre or a certain type of type of thing. But this, this camp is very cool in the way that it teaches you about how to like interact with other musicians and again get teach you how to it almost i think teaches you how to like get excited about like playing music of other people and like um you know and the most important lesson every year i think i keep coming back is always listen to people as much as you can and i've been working on that every single year i come and you know, I've made so many friends up there and I get, you know, I, I literally, um, I moved into Atlanta, Georgia this past weekend with a friend of mine uh, named Danny Tricaro, who is another fabulous guitar player who I met a couple years ago up at Roots. And a couple of our friends came down from Nashville today to visit us that I also met at Roots <laughs> several years ago. So it's really crazy the way, you know, the, uh, the way it kind of spider webs into you know every other part of my life. So what's the plan while they're all down here then visiting you? Like you guys Oh, we're having a party, man. We're in mate we went down to Macon the other day, had a little did uh pay tribute to uh Dwayne and Butch and Barry and Greg. Um and you know, got some good food around the city and we've been having a great time. That's great. That's great. So Alex, go ahead. You didn't get to say. Oh yeah. I, aside from, from music in this place, it's, it's really cool. 
because it's this sort of atmosphere where like because i don't know if you when you're in like your home state or just like at home it's hard to you sort of get lost and trying to find like people that do what you do with the same mindset and then when you get there everybody's like that and it's i remember my first year i went there and it wasn't until I, I came back and somebody said or somebody out in public, like said something bad about someone else that I was just like, I haven't heard this for an entire week. It was kind of crazy that I didn't hear like one single like negative comment. It was all positive and it was crazy. And it's good for a person, even aside from music, to be around that. Mm-hmm. It, it is one of the most patient places I've ever been. <laughs> Explain uh, how so. Um, regardless of whatever your playing style is, whatever uh, things you have going on in your in your life, like everybody's just there to like make sure that you're cool and everything's cool, and that's it's the best. So, so how does the 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 full moon resort? How does the place and venue itself? How does that lead to this whole like event? You know, and, and each of you can go around. Go ahead, and start with that melody. Okay, so Henry has created such a beautiful space for this to happen. Okay, um, the full moon resort, you can feel the magic in, in like you're, you're in this, this area up in, in the Catskills, you're kind of like on the side of a mountain, but it's kind of like a little valley on the side of a mountain and, and you've got the cabins everywhere, but the centralized spaces, we, there's what, five or six different jam set, like spaces where at any point of the day or night, there's music going on, people playing together, different conglomerations of campers and instructors all together playing music. Um, During the day, there's classes, but then at night, there's a concert by the instructors right after dinner, and then everybody breaks off and plays music until they make us turn turn everything off. So it's literally like 20 hours a day there's music going on in this camp. And it is in such a beautiful space. The Full Moon Resort is absolutely breathtaking. And Music Masters Collective, which is Henry's company that basically puts on the all of these camps, Roots Rock Revival is just one. You know, he has, I think it's like 14 or 15 different camps that happen throughout the year um, that, that cater to different genres, different styles, different, you know, types of music. So there's something for everyone, you know, Roots Rock Revival is about the music of the Allman Brothers, the Grateful Dead, the band, and then all of the music that influenced those particular bands themselves. Because you've got me and my brother and Lamar Williams Jr. and Dwayne Betts that are all part of the Allman Brothers thing, and obviously my dad. Um, got Amy Helm, so her dad, Levon, was in the band. Uh, we've had Graham Lesh, who his father, Phil Lesh, was part of 
the Grateful Dead, and then we've got the North Mississippi All-Stars, we've got O'Teal, and so that, that American roots music that is where jam music kind of came from. So that's what we're about. But you've also got, I mean, I think I think they're, they've got a new one coming out that's going to be music of David Bowie, and you've got, you know, Three of a Perfect Pair, which is King Crimson, and you've got songwriter stuff, and like, there's so many different ways that you can tap into what Music Masters Collective is doing. And it's so inspiring what Henry has created and just to be a small part of that. And the space itself is breathtaking. So yeah, I mean, you can't help but just have an amazing experience there. So sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> fine. Go ahead, Drew. <laughs> no, I think it was perfect and comprehensive. Um, <laughs> uh i don't think that i've i don't know like growing up uh i i just like moved very fast so i don't think i ever like stopped to take anything in like wow this is like incredible until like i got to roots for the first time and i was just like oh my god like this place is insane like i i rode up with uh melody this year and we were listening to inner visions by stevie wonder and there's a lyric in Visions that says, um, but how could a place like this exist so beautiful? And I turned to her and I was like, that's roots. <laughs> like it's, it is a, it is a perfect place. Um, it's just a perfect place. That's it. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing else to be said. Yeah. Um, I would say that um, whether it's like jamming or songwriting, I feel like being around nature can heavily impact when like like what you're writing or when you're jamming there's like something about that and, and aside from it like if you're around good friends like we can go down we me and my friends have gotten fell into the creek a bunch <laughs> trying to get across but it's like something whether it's like really late at night and all the stars are out or something and it it like affects your playing in my mind because it's like this yeah it, yeah this area it, it like feeds it's very yeah one of the last yeah. few days i was walking back to the cabin and there was a deer that was just like chilling like less than like five feet from me and he was just like staring at me and i was just like yeah hey, i just kept walking <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's bears there's all sorts of wildlife it's just it's beautiful mm -hmm. It's a proven fact that deer love bases, so that makes makes sense. Yeah, that's true. There are low end friends. <laughs> no, what you got? Yeah, I would say like um, I'm definitely in the same boat with all of you guys. Like the same feelings about it, but I'd say also it just was like there's just something magical about the place. Like with it being like such amazing musicians to play with and just such a beautiful space. And also I thought like one of the most interesting things, I think it was like the second or third day when it was like a full moon at the full moon resort. It was like, I don't know, like there was just something magical about that night that it just was like such, such a neat place. And I haven't really seen anything quite like it. So it, I'd say like, it just like, it, there couldn't be a more perfect, um, uh, camp. I don't know if I want to even or if campground is the right word, but it's just like area uh, for an event like this. So it's just it, it couldn't have been more perfectly planned out.
How about you, Hub? Well, I noticed the word that everyone seems to be taught bringing up for it is magic. And that's a tough thing and a uh, feeling to describe. And, you know, it, it can be very broad, but, you know, I think it's just something about being, like everyone said, away out in nature, um, you know, away from our phones a little bit more, away from, you know, geographically usually away from all of our problem problems outside of camp. And, but also just like, you know, away from it consciously, I think. And when you're in a place that's as beautiful as the Catskill Mountains um, with people you care about so much, uh, as we all do for so many other people at this camp, combined with doing something as cool as playing music with all everyone else, when all those things kind of come together, when it's three in the morning and you look up from playing playing a song and the moon is reflecting across the creek that flows through the middle of the camp. That's a pretty magical experience, you know? And there's just several of those throughout the week, most of the time, I think. So is there one either mentor or musician that you have all either that you kind of feel like you had more of a connection with than anyone else in particular. Um, and Melody, you might not have to answer this, but for everybody else, or, or you can answer it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I can most definitely answer that. Um, yeah. The first year I went, um, like I said, it was the year that my dad passed away. Um, one of the things that's so wonderful about Roots Rock is it's inclusive. Everybody that's there is there to have the same type of experience. And within the first year or two, I, I got plugged into this network of women that come as well. So, you know, I, I don't want to get into the whole like gender thing because to me, music has no gender but there are some incredibly powerful women that come to the camp and i got plugged in with them the first year and then the second year i had this experience where it was at it started at the roadhouse and there was jam going on inside the roadhouse it's one of the places where one of the jams goes on my brother and one of the women I'm about to talk about actually run the jams there now. Um, but we were outside and there was this picnic table outside and it was five of us that were just singing acapella with each other. It was me, Desiree Spinks, um, Arlie Kinchlow from Sister Sparrow, um, Shane DeSena, um, and, and I believe the last one was Callie. Um, but anyway, there were we were just singing a cappella together for like three hours, two or three hours. And then we left there and went down to the yurt and took the yurt jam over. That's another, that's the one that's down by the creek that like, they all keep kind of alluding to it, but haven't actually said that the yurt is like the magic. Like 
that's kind of where a lot of the late night magic happens. But just to be able to plug in with these unbelievably powerful female voices, um, it's something that moved me to the point where I've never been able to forget it. And, you know, to, we're also like talking about possibly putting something together with those particular voices and maybe doing a project someday. Um, you know, we all have, we're all still touring. So it's, it's hard to, to say when or if that will ever come to fruition, but good gracious, I would love to have it happen. So that's me. Gotcha. Your turn, Drew. Um, <clears throat> so not really with my instrument, but there was this instructor at Roots named Melody Trucks that was pretty cool. And <laughs> um, yeah, so I was going to say either uh, Melody or um, actually uh, Eric, probably. Yeah. I, um, there, was, there was a good solid amount of time that I spent hanging out with Eric outside of the roadhouse just talking about like, King Crimson and Allison Chains and Colonel Bruce and all this music and stuff. And yeah, it was great. Yeah. So yes, in my instrument, Eric Sanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric Sanders of the Eddie Trio and Brother and Sister. Yes. Mm -hmm. He was just, he, it's, it's so funny sometimes how good he is <laughs> that you'll just like, I don't know, walk into a lesson and he'll, in, in like a good way, he'll go from teaching technique to be like, here's why playing in seven, eight isn't hard. And then like do all these different time signature stuff. He's insane and a really nice person. And honestly, I think he first hit it off with uh, <laughs> our mom probably talking. <laughs> but those two, those two are. Shout like, out mom. <laughs> shout out mom. But, Eric yeah. Sanders is is definitely a gem of a human for sure. Yeah. How about you, Noah? Um, probably for me, all the keyboard players there were just such amazing people. Probably for me, it's like a three way tie between Ryan, um, because I like I heard so many great things about him, um, before coming to the camp, and then just. I learned so much, like, with all these keyboard players, I learned so much just from listening to their playing, that I my own playing. I definitely connected with him. And then also uh, Peter Levin, um, who was another uh, keyboard player there, who is currently the keyboard player with uh, another uh, Allman Brothers uh, family group, uh, Trouble No More. I think, I think I'm correct on that. Um, and then finally would be... Uh, Jojo, who is the keyboard player from uh, the jam band group Widespread Panic. Um, he was just such a nice guy. And for the day that he was there, I just connected uh, very well with him. And I learned so much uh, from uh, hearing him play. And then because he just had a uh, master class um, the, the day he was there, where it was literally just him sitting and singing and playing some like old uh, New Orleans style music. And it just was mind-blowing just to see how like all the different instrumentation was like in in his left and right hand playing i just learned so much uh from all those guys and all of their uh techniques 
Um, there have been so many incredible uh, instructors who have come up to camp throughout the years that I've been able to see and learn a whole lot from. Um, Roosevelt Collier has been up there uh, and done incredible things that blew my mind. Uh, Colonel Bruce came up before. Um, uh, Bruce Katz has been there. But you know you can you you can you can look at the poster for it and see how many awesome people show up to it. Um, but especially like from a guitar player's perspective, two of my favorite 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 guitar players on planet Earth are Luther Dickinson and Valor Trucks. Um, and you can cover I think just about the whole everything that you can think of as a guitar player between those two guys. And, um, I learned something from the two of them every single. Luckily they're, they're, they're usually, um, they've been up there, um, quite a bit lately. So I, I learned something from those two every single time I'm up there. So, uh, hub, did, did you learn, um, that your screen name for Instagram from them? Um, <laughs> I don't remember where my Instagram name came from. I think it's a, I think it was a, I think it's a Rick and Morty joke, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For, for everyone out there, uh, share with the audience your, uh, your, your Instagram. Oh, my, yeah, yo, feel free to follow me. Um, uh, at hubbalubadubdub on Instagram. Hubbalubadubdub2. <laughs> Because the first one got hacked a couple a little while ago, but that oh, no. <laughs> stinks. And I, I love your line: um, "Less Bitcoin and more Steely Dan." That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, I got the, the last Instagram account got hacked by a Bitcoin miner, and he tried to get me to buy it back with Bitcoin, and I, I had I had to let that one go, but I got. I stuck it to him with the new caption for there sure. You go. Yeah, that might be caption of the year, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So so for 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 those of you who write songs, are you more of a lyrics first or notes first? And then what have you learned about songwriting since you started that has made the process more rewarding? Well, um, I am a lyricist first, for sure. Um, mainly because I have a story to tell. And the tone of the lyrics is what sets the tone of the, the music itself, and not vice versa. Um, that being said, I am working with someone else who has given me some tracks that they've already cut that I'm writing to, um, but I'm I'm trying to let the uh, the tone of the the tracks that they've sent me like dictate what the song is or what the lyrics are going to be about. To me, the those two either have to marry. Or sharp, sharply contrast, one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, I love, and the 
I know the guys know the boys know this for sure. I love a song that sounds a certain way, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's completely the opposite of what you're actually like hearing. Like one of our favorite song, one of my favorite songs to do is an Edie Brickell song um, that sounds all like it's like almost like a Zydeco feel, very happy, and it's got you know um, squeeze box in it and everything, and it's all just very happy and peppy, and it's one of the darkest like. Yeah, it's the the, the storyline is very dark, but it's set to this happy song. So it's either got to be the the music and the songs completely are, are in tune with each other or or sharp contrast for the sake of the sharp contrast. So it can't be anything in between. Um so but for me as a songwriter myself the story comes first and then the music comes after. But I know that there are other people who are completely the opposite. So that's me. Yeah, yeah, we can answer together. So I, I, when I write songs by myself, I'm usually just like fiddling around with uh, a guitar or something and an idea comes into my head. I write a melody later and then uh, lyrics, but most of my songwriting is done with him. Mm -hmm. You want to talk? So uh, uh, not saying it's probably subject to change as I improve as a songwriter, but um, right now, most of uh, my songwriting is music first, just because, and if I have a specific message, it will flip of course, because that's what I want to portray the most. But like through certain like jam vehicles or different songs that uh, we play, um, that I, I often find that as kind of the story I'm portraying. You know, it, it's different every night. Mm. So, and yeah, we'll, we'll write it together. But uh, for right now, mostly it's music first because well mm. we're playing the music <laughs> yeah and uh but yeah definitely lyrics are still an important part of it and sometimes we'll write something and find the meaning of it afterwards because the music will either affect the lyrics or the lyrics will just come to you and you'll find meaning in them after the song is written but uh yeah how about you noah um, for me, it always kind kind of depends on like where I like. Sometimes inspiration will come. Like it's, it all depends for me on where the inspiration comes. Like if I have like a really neat chord progression in my head, like wherever like I find some some sort of like gem that I can use for a full song, like that's where I start. Like whether it's a neat chord progression or like a cool lyrical concept, like kind of it just it truly depends. Like I've never written a song the same way ever. Like it's always been a different way. So it really just truly depends on where I find inspiration and uh, how I tackle that and uh, turn it into a finished product. So. And how about you, Hub? Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say as far as songwriting goes, it, it, whichever one comes first yeah it, it, whichever one is pulling me in a direction harder i think 
as far as musically or lyrically. Um, I can say, you know, I'm much more of a guitar player than I am a singer or a songwriter, I think. So usually it's a cool musical idea or concept, but, um, you know, it's usually which just, you know, if they're like, like they said, if there's a cool, um, if you get a cool little phrase stuck in your head and you can't stop, you can't stop trying to put a, to put a tune to it. You know, that's a, that's a great way to go about it too. It's really just however, um, whichever direction you're feeling inspired at the moment, I think. Yeah. I, I think these are all, all great answers. So thank you all for those. So I want to ask, let's, let's kind of get to, you know, now you guys as a band, um, do you have any individually, do you have any pre-show rituals that you guys do? Um, whether it's to get yourself like in that frame of mind, whether it's, you know, however you are to to you know to be able to play on stage melody you want to start so um i do something that got started with the melody trucks band and i miss those guys so much uh the pandemic kind of pulled us all apart um and put us on different paths but um there's a guy his name is westbrook and he's now over in london he his wife um, the woman that he married is actually from the UK, and so uh, they're over there with their son now. And uh, but he he started something the very first time that the Melody Trucks band ever played, and it was just a, a gratitude circle. Like everything in my life, I try and go back to being grateful just to be able to do what what I'm doing, and basically we just get in a circle hold hands and get our minds right for what we're about to do being grateful for where we are um letting any negativity go um connecting with each other because if we are not in the same headspace before we walk on on stage we're definitely not going to be there while we're on it so just getting in that mindset where we're trying to create something bigger than who we are as individuals. Um, and if we're not all in the same space, then you can't do that. So you just got to take a minute to reset and say, Hey, you know what? I'm grateful you're here. This is what I feel like is holding me back or has got my head in the wrong space, or hey, this is what you did great today, or whatever it is that you need to either bring forth or let go of before you walk out on stage. That's true. Um, I don't know. Um, as far as pre-show rituals go, I don't feel like I necessarily have one. I just get really happy that I'm able to play music. Um, the gratitude circle is something that we do a lot with Melody, but uh, as of recently, we've just been like, I like ground up the other guys and I'm like, hey, we're going to go play. And then they're all happy because we get to play together. And yeah, then we play. <laughs> yeah, just mainly the gratitude circle too for when we have gigs together. It's good and it's a... Uh, like she said, it's a good place to bring everyone in and give like a quick check-in on how their status is and how they're feeling for the gig. And if maybe they're not feeling so great, 
they can change that with this and have a good show. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, probably for me, definitely um, ever since uh, the first tour when we started doing the Gratitude Circle, I've definitely been like more um, noticeable and attentive to like pre-show rituals. And for I've actually found like when I do stuff like that, I find I perform better. So I've just been trying to maintain that. And usually what I'll do, like sometimes, especially with my own band, is kind of just like if let go of anything that's, I don't know, holding me back or whatever, like before the show and just like get in the right mindset uh, to perform well. And that's kind of been like my number one ritual, just kind of making sure like whatever's going on outside, just let it go and uh make sure to be focused and that's the best way uh, to have a good performance. So, and also of course, like make sure to have like the best time because this is what I love doing. So just kind of being grateful for that, that I have the opportunity to uh, play music in front of an audience um, is the main drive. And I just have to stay focused to uh, doing that. So. Um, I, I've never, I've never had much of a pre-show ritual or anything like that. I think it's more of just like, um, you know, like everybody said, just like a mindset, um, of getting excited about having the opportunity to to do what we're about to do and, you know, just doing, you know, doing whatever you got to do to sort of, you know, have yourself be ready in that moment to like walk out on stage and, you know really make the most out of it and really enjoy it um because you know if you're if you've got something that's you know weighing you down you know wherever it's weighing you down um you know that can show up up there that can you know that can really lay some pitfalls out there for that you might not notice you know until you get stuck in it and you know it's you know you want to you want to try and keep it out for those you want to keep an eye out um you know for everyone up there and so just you know whatever you got to do to you know feel good about being up there you know Mm -hmm. so if i say these three phrases i want you to each tell me what they mean to you in relation to being in this band so letting go of ego trusting each other and communicating through the music Well, that's kind of what it's all about. I mean, one of the things, so uh, first of all, saying saying being in this band. So um, this particular conglomeration hasn't been, even been a band yet. Right. We haven't done it yet. You know, um, I have performed with Alex, Drew, and Noah together. I've done stuff with Hub. Hub is, you know, I don't know if you you know why I called him the OG, but the very first time that my father ever heard me sing was because of Hub. Hub was having a, a an open like jam and my dad was in town and my dad was playing and we had gone to dinner beforehand. I was like, listen, you know, the only thing my dad's ever heard me sing is lullabies to my kids. Because I didn't pursue a music career until, what, seven years ago at most? And I'm 
older than I want to say. Anyway, um, and that night when we were out to dinner and I said, my dad's never heard me sing, Hub handed me the set list and said, pick something. So we surprised my dad that night. Okay, so I have been able to play with Hub. I've been able to play with Drew and Alex and Noah together, but we as a band have never actually played together. It won't happen until two days before this run when we go up and do do some rehearsals. Now, that being said, you know, that's what jam band music is all about, is you've got to trust each other. You have to listen to each other. And it's all about creating something. There's a space that when you're when you're all listening to each other and communicating with each other, it creates something that is the most potent drug I've ever had. And it's what keeps me coming back to that stage because you can't get that with anything other than music. You cannot connect on that frequency with other people in any other way that I've ever found. And it's bigger than me. It's bigger than everybody on this screen. It's like, and it's what my father was chasing his whole life. It's what every musician who has ever played that it's when it's not about them being on stage, when it's actually about the music. That's what we're all chasing all day, every day. That's what we're going back to. And when you find it, that's when people cry. That's when you, when not just the people in the audience, but the people on the stage. Like there've been times that I haven't been able to hold it together because something so powerful is happening on stage that I can't contain it within my body. And so all three of those, those particular statements are all part of that frequency that happens when you really tune in with each other and truly tr trust each other. And that's what we're all chasing all day, every day. Yeah. So how about you, Drew? <laughs> Top that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what this is about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, no, you said no egos. Um, yeah, letting go of ego, trusting each other, and communicating through the music. Okay. So, um, I actually, so for example, I've I've done tours with Noah and I've played with him quite a bit. I I trust him um, with the music for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> I um, I actually have not spent that much time uh like talking to hub we've like hung out a few times at roots but um we played this one mountain jam at uh be careful Baltimore. what you wish for yeah that was fine no trust me um we played this one mountain jam at the barn that went on for like 45 minutes and i got to know hub really well like very very well um and when it comes to stuff like that you have to let go of ego um otl said this thing uh that the colonel uh taught him that whenever you're playing you have to just be as you are it's like standing on stage naked that's that's what it's about and he, he said um 
you're not good enough to lie to me. So tell me the truth. Uh, so, so you got to play exactly what you're feeling because no one's going to be able to play that Sistine Chapel of lies. So you really are communicating on the uh, purest level um, without any ego if you're doing it the right way. Um, and you trust everyone else on stage because um, yeah, you have to. You have to. I mean, being in a band is all about a team. That's kind of how I was raised. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say on those notes that I noticed that the all three of them are kind of connected in this intertwining thing that um, you can't like for egos having a like a large ego makes it hard for you to trust them while you're playing which makes it harder to communicate. So having one, they're, they're very connected and it sort of like with communication makes this, it's this whole thing that you can say without words that, I mean, Drew and I since like birth, I mean, we're, we're brothers, but we've had it. And it's sort of along that, that lines for like little, little things. My, like my mom will be like, Hey, where do you want to go out to eat? We'll just look each other in the eyes. And I go like three, two, one. And we can say it at the same time. I mean, I've known in my whole life, but it's like things like that, where that's like the quickest way you can get that from someone else is you can look and you know what that look means. You're going to a different place. And and trusting that if you're in the middle of a jam and somebody goes someplace and it doesn't quite work out that you're able to adjust and that you trust that they can get it back in, that you're not having to worry about everything because you can't control everything. And uh, especially in jam band music, there's a lot of stuff thrown out there. Like we're doing this song right now. You never rehearse it. And it's, they trust you to do your part you trust them to do their part and you're able to change your parts based off what you're saying and not saying to each other while you're playing um i'd say those three things that you said like or the these three variables for band uh, ego communication and uh, i think you said Trusting each other, like those, in my opinion, are the three things that make or break a band. Like that's seriously, like if if you don't, if one of those puzzle pieces is missing, then uh, that's really bad news for your band. And I really feel like that's what um, playing with Melody Trucks and the Fitzy Brothers. That's why we are uh, a very, or in my opinion, we're really successful and all play very well together is because we all agree with those kinds of ideas. And um, I would say like, it's, it's um, like, especially with this group, um, it's all about uh, like being a part or especially just with any band is a part of being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And I feel like that's like one of the most important like life thing lessons is like to be a part of something bigger than yourself kind of teaches you so many things that like if if you had an ego and were isolated like you'd never know so in my opinion like a huge success would definitely be having those three things and if you don't have like one of those three three things then it's really hard to find success so 
How about you, Hub? Um, yeah, I think you really knocked it out of the park with those three, those three uh, uh, phrases. Um, I've always thought the and the more the longer I play music and the longer I get to meet cool musicians like everybody in this band, um, the more I've noticed how people's genuine like personality and their like little quirks and like little you know just like the way people act um appears in their music and like the way they play their instrument and the way like it's uh, on a really cool like physical and emotional spiritual level like you know i'll be playing we can be playing a song together with somebody that you might know really well and someone will play a lick and i'll be like man i've heard you say that like in conversation like i've heard you i've heard you make a statement like in a conversation that was reminding me of that lick you just played and like, you know, um, and, and that those, those are the only things that really happen when you go about, you know, when you're really communicating through the music and you're not focused on, um, your ego and your, um, you know, and you're just, you know, really in that place where you can you know let yourself your real like personal self shine through to the real personal self of everybody else who's on stage with you so let's talk about these upcoming shows so i want to know because i'm going to be at the november 12th show what should the audience expect to hear when these shows take place? And and of the songs on the set list that, that have been kind of talked about, what is individually your favorite song that you, that you guys are going to play? Well, <laughs> um, expect to, to have, first of all, to have a lot of fun because there's a lot of energy on the stage period. Like, not a single one of us can stand still. It does not happen. Um, <laughs> and uh, Sweetums will definitely be jumping around quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, we've we've curated a, a, a group of songs that it, it's comprised of music from my past all of the music that we talked about that comes through roots rock things that are influenced by those types of you know that were the influencers of those types of music plus our own uh originals so i know that i've got a couple of originals the fitzkies have some and then the next we needed to bring in noah and hub you know and the the more that we can you know show our own true music styles the 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 better the experience is going to be um my i mean when i say that i have a favorite um that's a hard thing to say mm -hmm. but at the same time you know um what seems to be everybody else's favorite that i do is the song i wrote about dad so it's called Freight Train. That was my dad's nickname. Um, and that seems to be a, a crowd favorite. Um, it's a song that I wrote shortly after he passed. Um, it was cathartic for me um, to, to be able to write about 
who he was not just to me, but to the world. Um, and I've got another song that I'm working on that, that is similar, but different. But anyway, um, <laughs> along the same lines, but in a, a, a different it's a different idea but anyway so um that freight train is the one that that seems to be everyone's favorite so alex um, you start this time okay go right ahead okay yeah um the the set list is very uh diverse which is great we uh it's not like you'll get a few brother songs but it's not like we're relying on it. But uh, yeah, I I gotta say probably one of my favorites that we do. It's either between. It's usually either our ender or uh, our opener. Mm -hmm. But it's between. Uh, got to get better in a little while by Derek and the Dominoes because whenever we play it, mm -hmm. it's just kind of kicks in from when we start jamming on it. That like all right. This is a, like, I, I call it a melody show. So it's like a little bit, it's better than my regular shows. And I'm like, it helps get me excited. And then the the second one is uh, usually an ender, southbound for, uh, from the brothers. And honestly, it's cousin Noah. Noah always represents on that song. And it's so much fun whenever, because we take our turn soloing, but there's a little, nudge into noah because people that's like a, a point where he can really go off and people don't really hear that throughout the show because he, he plays his parts right and he doesn't have a huge ego of, of soloing all the time but when he does it's really fun so mm -hmm. it's the first almond brothers song i ever heard um like it, it was when i was about seven or eight and um so my dad um has had like his whole life has had an obsession with uh VW uh, Volkswagen buses um, and like I remember that was like one of the first he got one when I was in about first or second grade um, the one that he has currently and um, like I remember like driving home from the place and all of a sudden there is that riff like the da 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 and I was like what is that like it was like total ear candy for me being a starting to be a keyboard player and he was like, that's Southbound by the Allman Brothers. And it was like, that instantly hooked me on this kind of music. So I think that's probably why this song resonates with me so much. So That's funny. Um, we actually get to play one of, if not my favorite Allman Brothers tunes, uh, Come and Go Blues. I, I don't know why that song hits so hard. I saw the... Uh, I saw the family revival uh, December eighth, two thousand twenty one, which is Greg's birthday. So they did like they did a three hour show, and it was crazy. Um, but there was this guitar player that came out, um, and they did come and go blues. And I remember very specifically the image of him coming out with a a gold top slung low. Um, and I've never heard that song before that. And I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is crazy. Like this, this genre of music, this song, this is everything to me. So, yeah. How, how about you, man? Yeah, the sale is rules. Um, <laughs> there yeah um it's yeah um i didn't have a whole lot to do with it you know it's a whole lot of you know it's several melodies original songs and um 
uh, and I, I, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, Andrew just texted me uh, one day and was like, was like, here's the set list. He made a Spotify link for me. <laughs> so I just, I just, it's on. It's been. I, I just listen to it most of the time. Like I just, uh, like it's, it's, it's really good. You know, like it's but a whole lot of diversity, a whole lot of really a lot of tunes I didn't even know I'd never heard before on that. Like the Ween, I've never heard that Ween song before. Oh, I love that Ween song, dude. It's so good, man. So great. (laughs) Yeah, dude. So, you know, like there, you know, there's a whole lot of, you know, there's a whole lot of cool stuff on there that, you know, I'm super excited about. It's hard to pick a favorite, you know, like the Almond Brothers stuff is super fun. That's my favorite music i've ever heard um you know that's the bread and butter but like it's always cool when there's something you know new to your ears that you get to you get to sit with for a little bit now i I do get to plug one small thing and that is their new single is so much fun to play (laughs) i think that song gets stuck in my head and i'm like dang dang it boys I mean, it plays in my head over and over, it's like freaking earworm, big time. So, give you all my love is going to stick in your brain for a very long time, in the best way possible. So, how does that make you guys feel when you hear that from Melody? Like we need a, like we need a T-shirt that or something, or hang it up as a as a quote. Words Mama Mel, that should be the shirt. <laughs> yeah, quote that, Mama. That yeah. and these boys are coming for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I like to be a fly on the wall for these uh rehearsals that you talked about earlier, Melody, for two days. Like, yeah, I mean, what is that like? Talk about that. Your excitement and what do you what do you envision how they're going to be? Well, you know, we basically the, like this is what the third or fourth run we've done together we've we've done a couple together and nice. they nice. have this really great rehearsal space in their freaking basement that i would have killed for as a mm-hmm. teenager lucky little twits anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway shout out to mom and dad <laughs> yep shout out to mom and dad they done, they done good but um you know it's it's basically just we run through the songs and you know we all basically just we play them like we're playing them live like in front of people so that we can find those spaces where we're not connecting find those spaces where that iconic riff isn't quite right and i'm like no that's not right (laughs) um and you know, just get comfortable with each other. And that is the biggest part of it is just getting comfortable with each other because it's learning how we communicate. And now that we're bringing Hub in for the first time, yes, I've been able to play with him. Yes, they've been, you know, been able to jam with him, but we haven't communicated as a group yet. And so just learning how we all communicate and, as long as we know the basic structure and we know how each other communicates, it doesn't matter what happens on stage. It's going to be great. You know, because it's not about being perfect. It's about having that, that conversation. 
uh, within the structure of the song. And, you know, those, those rehearsals, it's about, you know, getting comfortable with the structure of the song, but it's also been getting comfortable about the way we all communicate with each other. Because as long as we're on the same wavelength, doesn't matter what happens up there, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Everybody kind of feels the same way then. Uh, yeah. 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 So I, I want to kind of transition a little bit. I, I want to talk about the industry itself. Um, you know, releasing music these days as, as Fitzky brothers, you guys are going to find out on, on Friday, you know, there seems to be this lost art of the album now. Um, and it's, we're more of a single driven society. Um, how, how do you kind of navigate that? Um, being more of a, you know, a jam band and more being, you know, where the album is just as important as the songs themselves. Um, I'm not sure. So, uh, I kind of take like, mm, so Alex and I kind of came up in like punk rock and that sort of thing. So I like to take like what some of those alternative artists do, like Foo Fighters or the Chili Peppers, like they, they write the songs and then they, they jam and kill it live. Um, mm -hmm. or I guess as far as give you all my love goes, it's more kind of suited to that record short play long. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a good. Well, we we like to have the the album as like mm -hmm. that's that's what we we want, and we're putting it we'll put it out there. But we do throw some. The plan is to throw some singles out beforehand, you know, like mm -hmm. gauge interest and uh, that sort of thing. To so when the album comes out, it gets a nice reception. But um, yeah, very much so. Still a big fan of the album too because a oh, yeah. lot of jam bands or mostly listening for me is live records too so you they'll they'll go to that they'll listen through it and just mm -hmm. it's just like they're at a show and it's mm -hmm. yeah albums are still very important mm -hmm. how about you noah I'm trying trying to think of a good answer for that. I kind of find it interesting now, like with the singles, like it's weird for me because like it's almost like reverting back to kind of how it was almost in like the 50s and 60s because that's kind of how it was then with like where it was very much single bass. And I feel like we lost him. Of, of both of those ideas which almost like um the audience in a, in a way um kind of exactly what you said i'm kind of feeling that like i'm kind of using verbatim of what you said but um i'd say definitely like that's kind of what i've found success is like find a single that'll like hook people into you and then I mean, I I love full out like like especially now because it's like people's attention spans are just so short with like the TikTok and just like scrolling through to the next thing. So if you can find something that'll hook people to discover more of you, I think that's the way to succeed. Melody, how about you? Well, you know, I I'm kind of old school. 
um, which might be a detriment to my own career because I don't put out singles that keep me relevant all the time. You know, there is one of the things that, that people are doing now is they don't wait for the full record to be done. They put out single, a single, and then a, because it keeps them in people's minds, it keeps them in front of you know, and it's they're they're constantly relevant. Whereas I'm currently working on a concept album, which there's no way I can put out singles because then it just takes away from the entire concept. So, you know, but I also have people who are like, when are you gonna put out something new? You know, <laughs> so it's like yeah. You know, but the concept album I'm working on, it's not something I can rush because it's autobiographical and I don't want to just toss stuff out there just to be relevant. I want the next project that I put out to be the concept that I have in my head. Um, but like I said, that might be to my own detriment because I'm not staying in front of people. I'm not other than, you know, I'm touring, but I'm, I'm touring with stuff that I recorded in 2018. So it's like, you know, it, it, there's both sides of the coin for that. Yes. It's like being, you know, being in front of people and, and staying relevant is one thing, but when you finally do have that concept that you've worked so hard on for so long and you finally put it out and it's exactly what you wanted it's got the impact that you wanted which i feel might take me further than if i was just putting out a single every couple months so yeah. how about you hub um you know it's definitely interesting the way the industry function flows because you know uh i think what noah said you know he, it sort of feels like you know one of those times where you look back at the 60s and it's very single driven and then you know the beatles come out and there's you know this whole album you know big you know all these big great albums start coming out you know um you know and that sort of seems to be the the fashion for a little while and then you get to like the 80s like that and that feels like getting like a little bit more one of those single driven times you know there's like these big like pop hits going around and whatnot and so it's really you know it's hard to it's hard to put uh it's hard to it's hard to predict where things like that are gonna go and i think it's one of those things where at this point we just need to it's more about just if if you if if your mo is putting out a good single every couple of months and that's and if you can consistently do that I think that's swell but I think if you know you're in a position like Melody where she wants to she wants to put a lot of effort into this one big project and really get across what that means to her and what like you know this whole amalgamation of things is then you know i think that's you know that's equally as important and that's you know takes takes a whole lot of work to get that done so you know there's you know there's two ways to look at it so you know whichever one you whichever side of the seesaw you end up on you know you just got to make it work for you yeah and i i think melody you can probably speak on this as well it seems like nowadays you know bands have to tour and then they record music where before it was you you record music and then you tour is that is that true or is that 
Yeah, that's definitely true because the idea of making music or, you know, making money off of recorded music, like the whole royalty structure and so it, that's, that's kind of, a, for right now, it's a thing of the past um, because of things, basically because of streaming platforms and streaming platforms are a double-edged sword because I can get my music to the masses myself that fast. Okay. I can, I can personally do it. I don't have to have a, a recording contract. I don't have to have, you know, a label. Of you know, millions of dollars behind me, behind a label. I can do it myself. Right. But that also means that I got pennies, less than pennies for a stream, like percentage, small percentage of a penny for a stream. Right. So I can do the grassroots work myself, which is what I I'm doing. And which, what these guys are doing is, you know, you've become your own producer. You've become your own distributor. You, you know, you find something like CD baby or whatever it is, some distribution model that gets you out there. And then you have to plug yourself. Okay. Before it was, you get signed you get you know a record deal you make a record you re they release the record with millions of dollars behind it and then they send you on tour so they can make their money back and that's just not the way it is anymore you know so while it does make it easier for us to get out there and get our music out there it also puts a heck of a lot of the onus on us to promote ourselves and to work for ourselves. I mean, I'm the CEO of my own company. You know, I am the CEO of Melody Trucks because, you know, I'm the one who's getting my merchandise done. I'm the one who's doing my own website. I'm the one who's like, and they're going to have to do the same thing because unless you're really lucky, you know, they're not going to put millions of dollars into you unless they, they you know, unless that lightning bolt happens. And now, and it used to be the same way. It's just, we don't have to have the lightning bolt anymore to get our, ourselves out there, but you got to hoof it for yourself, you know? And a lot of people think that because I have the name that I have, that it's really easy for me. It's not. The only thing my name does is when I'm trying to book a show, a venue will see my name and give me a look before they look at somebody that they, they don't know. Other than that, I've got to get people in the venue. My name doesn't do it. You know, I've got to be good enough to where if they come once, they want to come again. You know, it's, it's, you know, this industry is work. It's a lot of work and you've got to believe in yourself and you've got to be willing to do the work for yourself, mm -hmm. period. When you guys hear her say that, what what do you take from that individually? Well, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's uh, definitely a lot of work. And Drew and I constantly like to maintain that we have this mindset of uh, working too. And not only putting out work, but taking in and being able to learn from everything. 
And I, I will say, kind of going back to the rehearsal thing, that I was I was super glad because we had this this mindset that when Melody would come down for rehearsals, that she wasn't passive, that if someone was wrong, she would tell you that. And that's what I loved because it was it would make me do my job better and it would make the entire product feel better. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, definitely like grinding like that in practice and with the other aspects like uh getting your music out there merch promoting the shows mm -hmm. yeah it's it's uh, a a lot of work but yeah and having to do the social media game too which is mm -hmm. you know just so it's just so empty <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, it's it you can say it that way, but you can also like if you think back to 30 years ago, those avenues weren't there. Mm -hmm. So while you can say it's empty because you feel like you're putting all this out there and you're not getting a lot in return, think about the alternative where as in 30 years ago, you had to hope that somebody was going to be willing to put money into you so that you could get out there and do something. And you don't have to do that anymore. You have to be your own advocate. You have to be your own promoter, your own publicist, your own social media person, your own merchandise person. You have to do it for yourself until somebody else goes, you know what? They've done the work. Now we're going to do it too because we see that they're, they're worth investing in, right? So the game has completely changed since my dad was in it, since my dad started in it. You know, it's like, it's not, you're not sitting there waiting for your big break anymore. I mean, look at the, literally the biggest star on the planet right now started with herself on a freaking YouTube channel. And yep. I don't necessarily love her music, but good God, you cannot argue with her her star power and with how well she has curated her entire brand, hmm. right? And that's one of the things, like, I talk to the guys a lot about the music industry, what it was like when my dad first started and what it's like now, okay? And the thing is, when you are when you have decided that you're going to get out on this stage and you're going to be a performer and that's who you are, the moment that you do that, you have ceased to be a, a person and you are now a brand. Mm -hmm. and everything you do on social media, when you're out at your shows and when you're not out at your shows because everybody has a camera. Mm -hmm you are that product now okay so everything you put out there is part of the brand that is you as a person you as an entertainer so don't put your personal stuff out there you know don't go out like always take the high ground always make sure that you're doing things that like imagine you're a bottle of ketchup on the shelf why is somebody going to want to put their money towards buying you as the other 15 different bottles of brands of, of ketchup that are right next to you? How are you going to present yourself to where people are going to want to put their time, their money, 
and their effort into what you have to do and have to say. Because that carries over into your music. Absolutely. Into your performances. Everything you do, because it is so easy for somebody to snap a picture, put it on social media, and that's it. Yep. Period. But it's also really easy for somebody to take a recording and say, look how great this is. And then somebody else sees it and then somebody else sees it and then somebody else sees it as quickly as that bad publicity can get out there. That amazing publicity, you can go viral like that and not even realize you've done it. Right. So it's all about how you carry yourself. It's all about how you present yourself. It's all about being who you want to be. And then just walk in that walk. It's, it's not and. And if you're doing it right, it's not an act. It's just who you are. So, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, those three phrases that I spoke to you about earlier, you know who said that? Hmm. The lady on the screen. You said that in an interview. And I, I just thought it was so so poignant and i wanted to yeah I, I wanted to get their opinion on that but not let them know that you were the one who said it so, <laughs> so i think i've heard that before <laughs> it did sound familiar oh, it, oh okay so you guys all kind of knew you, all right yeah. well you know i have a tendency to talk a lot <laughs> especially That's when i spend eight hours in a car with somebody <laughs> <laughs> Poor Drew has gotten more of, of Mama Mel isms than just about I got notes. notes. That's, all, notes. Well, that's why you're in that car yeah. because you want them. Uh huh. <laughs> Alex don't want them. <laughs> no, it's more like Drew doesn't want me there. You know what I mean? He'd rather. He'd rather... <laughs> Alex is too young. That's the problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> well, I'm so bad for these kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so let's go over real quick. What what are the dates that um, the tour starts? Give us the the dates. Uh, whoever wants to do that, um, and then yeah, we'll kind of wrap things up. Well, we are going to be at the eight by ten in Baltimore on November 9th believe on November 10th, we will be at the room at Cedar Grove. On the 11th, we'll be at the Liberty Tavern. And then on the 12th, we'll be at Phantom Power. Awesome. So you can get your tickets at any of those venues. Go to the websites. Make sure you check these guys out. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to see you guys on the 12th. Uh, hopefully we'll have a nice little crew uh, as well to see you and support you. Um, so thank you all so much for doing this. Um, I, I really appreciate it. And hopefully the audience is, appreciates it as much as uh, we did. So thank you all so much. I have been dog. You have been great. This is the music lab podcast. <laughs>